Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Today we're going to talk about the latest cannabis news as it relates to cannabis investors. And I always like to start out with this simple chart that shows the opportunity. So in orange there, you see the $6 billion in cannabis sales that took place in 2022 in Canada. And then that's dwarfed by the $29 billion in cannabis sales in the United States, legal sales. On the left there in gray, that's an appropriate color, we're going to talk about why later, is the illegal market or the black market, which represented about $71 billion in sales. So what's interesting to note, first of all, is that the industry growth is accelerating. So what you see here is in 2022, a 17% growth on 2021. And for 2023, it's expected to be over 20% growth. Yet valuations are at a historic low. And if you're somebody that's invested in cannabis stocks, then you understand the pain that we're talking about. Now, this chart was produced by a firm called Key, and they're key investment partners. They're an institutional investor in cannabis, and we work with them to do these yearly updates on the space, and they produce some great reports. And you can cross-check their numbers here. You see where this article says uh, 75% of U.S. cannabis market sales are illicit, meaning illegal. And if you do the math there, then it just about makes sense that you have $29 billion captured legally, but the majority is still on the black market. Now, the report from Key that we're going to look at today is called The Evolving Cannabis Market, Insights on the State of the Industry. And they have a lot of good information, such as this table here, which shows sales revenues by state. So we're able to take that and then produce a chart uh, here that shows the top states. So these are all the states in the union that sold more than a billion dollars in cannabis. There's seven of them. Uh, so these top seven states drove over half of sales. California itself accounts for 18% of sales. But what's interesting is that five of the oldest cannabis markets in the U.S. saw declining year-over-year sales figures in 2022. So it's almost as if there's this surge in growth once you have legalization, and then over time the excitement sort of wanes off. Uh, still, nonetheless, we're expecting that strong growth to continue into 2023. As you mentioned, 21% expected growth in 2022 saw 17% growth. Now, the thesis in a nutshell is this. The United States is by far the biggest opportunity for cannabis investors anywhere across the globe. There's over $70 billion in total addressable market to capture, and you can expect that addressable market, both legal and illegal, will likely grow as cannabis becomes more socially acceptable. So somewhere around 70% of Americans now think that cannabis ought to be legal for recreational purposes, and 89% think that it should be legal for medical. And what's interesting there is that in most states, you see medical usage uh, precede recreational and the gap between the time that it's legalized for medical and recreational keeps decreasing. So it's almost inevitable, it seems, that if you approve it for medical, that it will eventually be recreational. What is now available for cannabis investors, retail investors, is a consolidated list of multi-state operators. So all the M&A events have taken place, and now we have a 
list to consider. Our focus today is going to be on publicly traded companies, though key investment partners can help with private opportunities. That's what they do. Um, what you're seeing across companies, both public and private, is that they're being suppressed by regulatory risk, unnecessary tax bur burdens, border restrictions. You can't transport weed across state lines, though on the black market, it's estimated that most weed crosses state lines, which is rather interesting, and a limited access to capital that's gotten even worse in today's uh, uh, horrible macroeconomic headwinds that it seems all, interest, uh, all industries are facing. Uh, eventually, we should see legalization because politicians are always going to politic, and they see that uh, the demand for the public for uh, this, and it's a great talking point, and, and, and it progress is happening. You can see here from the time that we were putting this together until when we actually published this, uh, an additional state had uh, legalized for recreational use. So as of now, 48% of the 50 states have legalized recreational marijuana, either by ballot measure or by legislative action. And its medical use is legal in 38 states. So 76% of the states in the union. Now, the problem that companies face, a big problem, is the 280E issue. And this is where a cannabis firm has an effective tax rate that's much higher than, let's say, an alcohol firm. And you can pause this and work through the numbers here, but basically it comes down to the fact that the gross profit is being taxed for cannabis firms while the uh, taxable income for every other firm is their uh, is not reflected on gross profit. It's after taking operating expenses. You can see how that works here. So this is really value that's going to be unlocked with legalization. Now, what's notable for cannabis investors right now that happened this past summer is a proposed scheduling change. And I pulled this up. This is from Business Insider. I was blown away by this. Maybe other people have seen this and looked through it, but this is the drug classification schedules in the United States, and it's really, really crazy. So you start at Schedule 1. That's the worst. These are drugs with no currently accepted medical use, and they have marijuana, but it's it's accepted for medical use in 75% of the states in the union. So that doesn't make sense. It says a high potential for abuse. Well, you'd think alcohol would be somewhere on this. It's nowhere on this schedule, not nowhere to be found. So marijuana is up there with heroin and some other substances. But when you get to schedule two, this is what's even more crazy. It says these drugs are also considered dangerous. And there you have Adderall and Ritalin. You know how easy it is to get those two drugs? They're hardcore. Essentially, Adderall is just legal methamphetamines. They're just handing that out stuff out to kids like candy. Then you get to schedule three. So what they want to do is they want to take marijuana from schedule one to schedule three. Then it's going to be, it's described here, drugs with a moderate to low potential for physical and psychological dependence. You have things like Tylenol and codeine. I don't know, ketamine, I suppose, is pretty hardcore, but it's in there. Anabolic steroids, uh, testosterone. And then you get down here to schedule four. So this is lower, lower than where they want to put uh, marijuana. And it says low potential for abuse. And then they list out benzos. Have you ever seen somebody come off benzos? It's absolutely nuts that they would put benzos down there at schedule four. So none of this really makes sense. And it should be rather easy then for this rescheduling to happen. And here's what's going on. So in late August, the DEA, that's the Drug Enforcement Administration, recommended to the, um, sorry, 
They received a recommendation from the Department of Health and Human Services that marijuana be rescheduled. So the Department of Health said, listen, this ought to be rescheduled. And the reason that came about is because of a formal review of the scheduling that was requested by President Biden in 2021. See how long it takes for things to work in government? Now, Key says that if this recommendation is adopted, it will be a game changer for the industry, pure and simple. Cool. So what's what's next? Well, the letter triggered a process for review. We all know the bureaucracy is just going to drag this on because now the DEA needs to conduct an independent evaluation of the recommendation through a careful review process that will include opportunities for the public to comment. Shouldn't be any problems there, right? Everybody seems to agree that it ought to be legalized. Uh, or everybody, if everybody agrees that it's legalized, they should have no problems at all with rescheduling. Uh, the DEA has the final authority, but no decision will be made until their evaluation has been completed. So you would hope that's positive. There's no timetable or deadline, really. It could take as little as a few weeks or many months, and we can already see it taking many months, right? So moving to Schedule 3 would not legalize cannabis by any means. Uh, but criminal offenses and penalties will be different and much less severe. And if you go state by state and look at the rules for cannabis, it's nuts. Every state has a completely different set of rules. And then, of course, it's illegal at the federal level. It's quite odd. But when it comes to investing, uh, Key had put together this list of 10 firms. And this is rather useful because initially uh, there were more than this. And then you saw industry consolidation. And the five companies that we cover now, you see I've circled those there in red. Uh, and below this table, so this I know these equity values have changed because the prices of these stocks change every day. But you can see their ec rough equity value and debt. So we're primarily interested in the larger companies. And one of the reasons for that is the table below there. So this shows the cash flows, the operating cash flows for these companies. And this is very relevant because if you're not producing positive operating cash flows, then you're consuming cash. And if you're consuming cash and that gets less and less, then you have to raise money. And if you have to raise money these days, it's a huge problem for every company out there, especially so for cannabis companies. So if you're looking to invest in MSOs, you probably want to invest in those that were smart enough to make sure that they were operating it positive operating cash flows in 2022. And then this year, you can see TTM stands for trailing 12 months. The larger firms seem to be more appealing. And Key also believes that's the case. They talk about this perfect storm. So they say balance sheets have run out of cash. Operators failed to pivot and costs in time. You see that with the smaller companies. And now a distressed opportunity has emerged. They say this is reminiscent of the e-commerce.com crash where those companies without real business models found themselves bankrupt. So now they believe that in cannabis, you see the same thing where companies with real tangible business models are going to thrive and they're going to grow more as they displace firms that don't have solid business models and that your approach to cannabis investing today should be a focus on management, balance sheet, profitability, and discipline. They say discipline to focus on the core business, pay taxes, and keep operating expenses in line with the company's performance. So I think that uh, positive operating cash flows are a good indicator of doing all that. So some of the problems that investors and operators face right now that Key highlighted this volatility due to a lack of liquidity on exchanges, for sure. And this point here, fragmentation and varying competition across state markets. If you have to operate your business in every state differently, which is what you have to do today, and you can't have any cross-border activities, 
that's a huge restriction. And of course, when you can't market and advertise, there's obstacles around scientific studies. There's this whole stigmatism of the cannabis, uh, pro you know, cannabis being a problem from the war on drugs. And this, I think, is the biggest issue in our minds is the persistence of the illicit market, even after cannabis is medically or recreationally legalized at the state level. So the black market is rather interesting. And we did a number of pieces on this. We talked about uh, one thing to note, I think that's not so obvious, is that some of the best strains known to man, particularly heavy skunk strains, you won't find them in any dispensaries. And we've spent a lot of time looking. The strains on the black market are generally higher quality and prices are lower. And boundaries are really blurred now. So some legal grow operations in California are said to sell less than 10% to legal dispensaries. So you have a legal grow operation that's providing a lot of cannabis to the black market. Then an NBC report found that 70 to 80% of marijuana sold in state legal dispensaries in California was produced and grown illegally. The lines have blurred and the, the problem here is that legal's never going to displace the black market if it's being handicapped. We just talked about all the reasons that it is. Black market supply chains are always going to meet demand. So in order to displace the black market as a competitor, you need to reduce their demand. Legal supply chains, in order to do that, they need to do things the black market can't. The only way that's going to happen is if federal legalization happens. So the key takeaways here, depressed valuations are to be expected with all the uncertainties and problems that are being navigated. Legalization, and that's not just a single step, there's many steps towards that, can be expected to eventually happen based on public opinion and politics, right? That's a reasonable assumption. Investing in financially solid and disciplined MSOs is a reasonable thesis, albeit a risky one. So I think of the themes that we cover here at Natalize, space and cannabis are the two riskiest. Uh, large MSOs certainly, for reasons we discussed, seem better placed to navigate the opportunity. But for the black market risks, uh, I think these remain a big unknown. Now, I'm going to put up a video here we did recently that looks at a smaller MSO, a rather popular one, Planet 13. And I think that highlights some of the points that were made about discipline and things like that, where they may not be acting so disciplined, although I know that some pundits out there believe this is a great company. So uh, give that a look. Make sure to subscribe to this channel for future pieces on cannabis. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.